We're back in the aftermath of a really, really, really frustrating result. And uh, I don't know why we continue to do this to ourselves, to be brutally honest. I'm Sean Peterwudge. This is the end. Friendercast, another carbon podcast. We brought you, as always, <laughs> by the good people at MGA Traffic. Big Faber Ganoush isn't with us tonight. He's not feeling too well. He's under the weather, so it's a two-hander with myself and the head of paediatrics, optometry, cardiovascular work, veterinary science, and most importantly, psychology at the Royal Donvale Hospital. I've got Dr. Tim Davis. Sean, how are you, my fine sir? Not well. Not no. well, Tim. No, not well. Look, can you prescribe anything to get me through? Uh, you know, maybe to forget this football club? A couple of goals when they count might help. Uh, yeah, if you can prescribe a couple of snags, that'd be handy. Yep. Um, you might see our seat, Tim, but I'm wearing my, I realised in the shot before, I'm wearing my Cleveland Indians hat, which these days is a collector's item since they've kind of abandoned Chief uh, Wahoo. Chief, Chief Wahoo, yeah. Um, due to cultural sensitivity reasons, apart from the fact that he's like a brand icon and raises awareness for the Native Americans in the Ohio region, like, you know, spin it for the, the good. Of the Correct. local Native American Indians, use it as a you know a positive message, um, and it just reminded me as I caught a glimpse of myself in the screen there. I thought, how apt, because in the mid to late eighties, you would be well aware, Timbo. This is a film that we talk about. <laughs> Director David S. Ward, who's an Academy Award winning filmmaker, so completely and utterly at his wits' end with the ups and downs and the travails of his beloved Cleveland Indians. Realising after so many wasted summers, I'm never going to see us win anything, he just decided to make a movie in which the Indians were good. <laughs> so they that, finally win. <laughs> so that they can finally win and he can finally see himself win. And it got to the point where people forget the Indians actually had a run in the mid-90s where they were pretty competitive, made some World Series. Um, but Cleveland fans used to put that on in bars and treat it as if it was the World Series and watch it and cheer. And it was because it was as close as they got to having a team that was actually any good and a team that was vying for things and winning for winning things because I think it's like 1947 was the last time they won a World Series. And you sort of go, maybe we're at that point, Tim, where we need to abandon the podcast and put all of our efforts into putting together a movie that hasn't been a good football movie since the club, put all of our efforts into writing a movie in which Carlton are actually decent. Obviously, it'll be in the fantasy section and it'll be sitting <laughs> in science fiction because there it can sit... High fantasy can be next to the Marvel movies. And basically, I reckon that's the only way we're going to ever fucking see this team be any good. <laughs> Look, I, I've, got to give, uh, I've got to give the Cleveland fans kudos for being prepared to think outside of the square because, as you say, if you wait for it to come to you, sometimes you're just going to be waiting forever. So uh, I, I love... I love their preparedness to be able to uh, sort of demand victory in some way, shape or form, and it's, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's tough. I, I think following a football team is so tough because your rewards are so intangible, even at the best of times. And, uh, and infrequent. And, sorry? And infrequent. Well, this is it. You, you, and it's a build-up for so long and, and you, you know, your, your joy is so very, very short-lived and... Yeah, tonight, tonight was a funny one because I think, as we just sort of said before we started, you know, we haven't gone into the game with any expectations of winning. You know, you're sort of hoping, and you know, a beautiful start with uh, Martin and the rundown tackle on uh, on um, whatever his name is, Lockie Whitfield, and you're sort of going, "Shit, we might be up for it tonight." And uh, and as up for it as we were, 
when um, when the demands were there to do just a little bit more? And uh, are you prepared to take the next steps and find a way? I think were the words that you used, Sean. Uh, it didn't really happen, did it? That's the thing. Like we don't want to be negative, Nellies. We we like to try to be glass half full. But you know, going into the game, you sort of thought. We're not marking this down as a win, but like you said, we'll wait and see how we start, how we get into the game. Once we got into the game, we chanced our, our luck a little bit. We got a, a little bit fortunate with, with um, GWF's profligacy sort of early in the game, but that kind of evened itself out as the contest wore on. But once we got ourselves and worked our socks off to get ourselves into a position to win the game, we were duty-bound to do it. And on the back of yeah. Sunday's result as well, it's oh, – I put the thing on Twitter, a gif on Twitter, a gif – We haven't reached a consensus as a society, whether it's GIF or GIF. I think that needs to be um, needs to be uh, an election sort of um, policy. But I think after what we saw on Sunday, we can't be seeing the same thing again. I put the the GIF on Twitter of old Biff watching the hoverboard chase in Back to the Future Two. You know, this is all very familiar, and you sit there going, "GWS get the first couple of goals in that that last quarter," and you're just sitting there going, "We've seen this movie before." Yep. And initially you, you, you're filled with dread, but then you kind of turns to, let's see what we've learned. And as it turns out, Tim, we've learned fucking nothing. Fucking nothing. Because <laughs> the exact same thing happened. It was just a rerun of last week with our opposition wearing a different jumper. And you're sort of going, yep. fool me once, you know, fool me twice. Fuck you. Yeah. I've had enough of this. And <laughs> given that it puts a line through our season, that makes it even more disappointing. You can sit there and go, we, we've... We gave ourselves every opportunity to win the game. And in the end, you sat there thinking, geez, you get a goal. You get a goal here and it's awfully difficult all of a sudden. We're going to talk about forward structure a little bit later. But look, they, they fought and they, they, they were trying. There's not an effort with that. Serious questions have to be asked of our method. They have to be asked of our mentality. We spoke about the huddle at three-quarter time last week, looking across and the, and the magpies would have been thinking, we win this game. Our guys yep. would have been thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe we could win this game. I don't think it was that black and white, no pun intended, this week. <laughs> but you sat there thinking, our guys should have been sitting at that huddle going, we're not feeling the shit we did last week. We went through this exact same thing four days ago. We're not going through it again. Everything we did wrong, we would have reviewed up and, you know, inside out. What did we do wrong? We can't do that again. And you see, yep. they're going, that just makes it inexcusable in the end to serve up the same performance. I mean, Timbo, you, you, we've obviously talked about it a little bit off pod. We kicked one goal nine after quarter time. We're 15 points up in a low scoring game at the last break. We just frittered away another sensational opportunity to not only keep the season alive, but to get over another hump. Spot on, spot on. And and, and I think we looked at the Collingwood GWS back-to-back and you thought, look, they were both down before we started, but you thought you're not going to win both. But if you can square it and keep the season alive um, and then you go into sort of, you know, Sydney, Adelaide, you give yourself a chance. And, and I think we've sort of said we've almost done enough in both games so you, you've almost done enough to go two and zero. And and yet the way that it plays out and your inability to be able to score. And I reckon early last week you said, I think we're cooked. And so whatever you saw, you just obviously just didn't see the sharpness in us against Collingwood. I, I can't say that I saw it, but but 
there was just no there was no dare, there was no expansive play. I think we said it last week, you know, the Port Adelaide team of the, the early teens that would take the game on and switch at all costs and take the corridor and be prepared to make a mistake and give up a goal, but it, it, it made you dangerous and it kept your opposition on your toes. Yeah, there was a point in play when there was about four or five minutes to go and I think Doherty got a free kick and he bounced to his feet and you could see that he wanted to go and Hodge made a point of it afterwards. He said, where was the run from all the other Carlton players, you know, the demand the ball into the space across the middle, the big wide switch and all that sort of stuff. And, and realistically, Doherty probably just had to tuck the ball under his arm and run. You know, just, just run sideways and take the corridor and be, be a little bit Scotty Chisholm of the, um, the very, Chisholm. very early Fremantle Dockers and uh, deep pin the ears back and, and potentially make a, a Liam Jones-esque, you know, horrendous Slovenian oh centre-back God. mistake. But That's what least... we've been speaking about for weeks, Timbo, wasn't it? He was he was the crazy Ukrainian centre-back tonight. It, it, it was. It, it's good went... Liam meets bad Liam. And, oh. uh, and bad Liam... There was a couple of good Liams tonight, but um, but bad oh, Liam. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like, bad Liam won the won the arm wrestle tonight, and uh, you make an excellent point. You make an excellent point. He did do a couple of really nice things. Well, you but went, he does. You went, that's great. The, well done. And then he did a couple of horrific things. When you're going, Jesus Christ, that's just everything. That's everything wrong about you. In a, in a nutshell, the, the funniest thing about Liam Jones, and I, I've tried to say it a couple of times the last few times we've talked about it, but I've never actually been able to get it out or find the words. <laughs> but I realise Liam is like a goldfish. <laughs> he, and and I mean this in the nicest possible way, he can make the most basic, horrendous, non-footballing, non-smart error you will ever see on a football field, and the ball will go back in six seconds later. And it's like it never happened. Like he, he just he, and, and it's it's a he's mark ob- to he's him on his mental resilience. <laughs> he's just prepared to go and, and take the game on. And realistically, as much as it pains me to say it, we need more um, crazy Liam approach to our football because I reckon too many of our guys at times play safe. And whether that's a Teague directive or not, I don't know. But as we've sort of said, the thing that's brought us unstuck is we're going to continue to kick down the line to teams that love chopping us off and intercept marking and we'll play the game the opposition wants us to play. Yeah, we said it against Port Adelaide when we got the ball on the half-back flank and all we had to do was hold it up. Well, we kicked it down the line and Tom Jonas took the marks. And there was a, there was a couple of little... There was a bit of tin arsery and a couple of players sort of being marginally out of position at that stage. But we're so close to being, put, being able to put together the right performance... Um, and we just find a way to keep ourselves uh, coming unstuck. And uh, I'll ask you the and, question: and, and, like you, you, what you said there is excellent in the sense that, as frustrating as as these recent performances have been, what we need to ensure is, or what we need to figure out is, is that something that can be changed? Is that something we can train out of? Is that is this a hump we can get over? A phase we can work our way through? Or are we consigned to live this hell forever? Because you go. We are doing all the heavy lifting to get we ourselves are. into a position to put the game away, and we can't put the game away. So why is that? And this is why, a bit of a segue into a, into a topic um, I was engaged in on Twitter during the week with uh, many followers and listeners of ours, which was great. Um, we would be insane. As good a player as he is, as much of a priority as he should be, because we do need a small forward, we can't be selling the farm to get Tom Papley. 
we can't be offering two first-round picks to get Tom Papley. He's a guy that kicks 1.6 goals a week. He touches the ball 10 times a week. People say, oh, you're working in the midfield. He's playing a bit of midfield now. He's averaging 10 touches a week. Super player. Would love to have him. We need either asshole winners, like battle-hardened winners, leaders, whether that's identifying someone at the draft who's got that in them preternaturally and they can bring it to the team. I'm not as... I'm not as um, besotted by this oft, oft worn, oft trotted out. We need twenty-five-year-olds. No, we need the best players we can get. I don't care how old they yep. are. Um, if we see a guy that we can get at the draft who is a born leader, born winner, got a bit of prick in him, I don't. That's fine. If we can get him, we get him. Or someone who can use the ball really well. That's the priority. Not spending two first-round picks on a small forward who, whilst very, very talented, very exciting, it's a need. We, we don't need to... How many times do we see in the past in all sorts of sports, teams go into a trade or a draft period feeling duty-bound. We went for this guy last year. By hook or by crook, we've got to bring him in no matter what the cost. Yep. We bent Adelaide over doing that with Gibbs. Absolutely. And, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm in... I'll, I'll, I'll put this out there, Sean. I am a massive Tom Papley fan. A massive Tom Papley fan. I love, I love that he's got a bit of shit about him. Yep. I love that he's prepared to have a crack. He's a tough bugger. He's built low to the ground. He works his ass off. He runs quick. He's got great instinct and and really good skill. And 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 I think the mark of Tom Papley that really made me fall in love with him was when they played that um, the bushfire game at the start of the year, and you got the best playing against the best. He stood out like he was he he was one of the big dogs, and I honestly I couldn't get enough of him. And, and, and I sit on the fence for two reasons. The reason why I would say just do it is we've gone to the well so many times with kids and early draft picks. We've always talked about we need a free agent to be able to make us better and all that sort of stuff. And to that point, you're going if he's the right player, just get him. But I also think there's a little bit of it's, – it's, I guess it's the words are sliding doors. And, and I think if we'd have got Tom Papley in last year's trade period, we would have been giving plenty to get him. Hindsight, if he continued to play the way that he did and he fit us the way that he might, it would have been perfect. If we, it, you would have paid a bit, but you'd have got something in return. Right now, if we're getting Tom Papley, we are overpaying to get him. And, and again, the only thing, the only other reason why you say you might go is if you happen to be able to land Zach Williams in free agency and it means you're not giving up anything to be able to get him. Don't give me if the net spend. If you're essentially getting two, giving give two the big spend. pieces for two big players, no. maybe, maybe that would satisfy I don't want to hear I, I, net, spend is a, net spend is a false negative or false yep. positive, sorry. The idea that... No, you're still trading two first-round picks to get player A. The fact yep. that you're getting player B as a free agent, it's not – I just think that it, we it's need – It's not part of the opportunity cost, is it? Because you're still we, getting the other block for nothing. Yeah, we just need to – whatever the deal you're trying to do, whether you're buying something or trading in for a player, whatever, you need to be prepared to walk away. And which, you need to set a budget. I, I just think – You need to have a com, budget. Um, Sydney, Sydney know what we want and Sydney will say – he is contracted. If you want him, you've got to sell the farm to get him. And and I think 
I would be reticent I to do that. I'm, I, I think you put it well this week on, on Twitter. When you look at Dan Butler, and again, it's a sliding doors moment. We were into him. We liked him. He, he would have been a really nice addition to our group. You wouldn't have known that he was going to play the high level of football that he's played. Um, and, and, and we cooled on him throughout the process and he got traded for something like pick 56. And it's not to say you can trade pif, uh, pick 56 and get <coughs> a top five small small forward in the competition. You know, St Kilda's just, you know, pulled one out of Well, that nowhere. happens. But you look at it and go, we end up getting Jack Martin for nothing. Yeah, yeah, And he, look, he didn't have a great absolutely. night tonight. But on the whole, you go, well, we get him for nothing. We were prepared to give a second round pick. And the example you give with Butler is excellent. You go, <clears throat> Butler and Papley's stats are very comparable. They are. Like, you look at them in the raw numbers, very similar. St Kilda absolutely categorically paid unders to get Butler. In hindsight, you'd sort of look at it and go, geez, he might actually be sort of an early second round pick or in that early mid-20s. And you go, geez, that'd probably be fair freight for him. You can't then turn around and say that a player with pretty much the same stat line is two first-round draft picks. In all yep. common sense, you can't sit there and say, well, geez, if Butler here, yeah, Butler's probably with a late late first at the most, early second round's probably about right. Well, mm, ipso facto, uh, Papley, two first-round draft picks. You go, yep. no, yep. no, 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 no. That's not how and, it works. And I think you're absolutely right. When, when you sit there and you go, if I was to put a number against your value, you know, in the case of Daniel Butler, you are pick 20 and you sit there and go, that's that's my you, you talked about having a budget. Well, if at the end of the day to be able to get him, you gotta give pick fifteen, you go, Yeah, okay, okay. You know, that's yeah, you know, swings and roundabouts, you know, we'll probably get a couple of other deals like what you said with Butler and St Kilda where you get a player for unders. It will it, it will even itself out in the in the long run. And but now, now I, I think as you're sort of saying, if you're we're having to give two first round draft picks to get this bloke, and yeah, you know, you're talking mid round draft picks that are worth twelve hundred points or something. If you're giving twenty four hundred points, which is the equivalent of say pick two or pick three, I think it's too much. You know what I think it is too. <clears throat> everyone, <clears throat> sorry, everyone, whether it be basketball or soccer or the like, but soccer is a good example at the moment. The transfer window is open. Everyone loves the shiny new toy. Yeah, totally. And we'll, we'll talk about the price later. The price isn't important at the moment. The fact that we got him under the tree, that's what's important. The fact that we got reamed over the deal and we paid double what he's worth, we'll figure that out later. Don't worry about it. Because that way we get to put out the, the slick announcement graphics on Instagram and we get the likes and the engagement. And that's what it's about for a lot of clubs. We just do the deal, get it done. We can put him on a membership poster. I signed up, you sign up. And at the end of the day, you still have to be responsible with what you're spending. Tonight showed us that if we're putting the ball in inside 50 like we have been, doesn't matter how many Tom Papley's we've got running around. We need guys who can put the ball in well. We need guys off halfback to replace. We don't want to harp on about guys like Simo, but he is getting older. We need guys to come in and replace, I suppose, areas of the field that are more a priority than small forward. Totally. Because if we totally. keep putting the ball in, we're going to talk about that. But the other point we want to make here, we spoke about mentality and leadership last week. What we need, and like I said, with terms of targeting someone, fuck man, we need a heart transplant. We need, we need, we need assholes. We need winners. We we just need, we need guys that stand at that huddle at three quarter time and just not losing the game isn't even isn't even a consideration. We're in a position to win. We're going to win. 
we're going to hold yeah. on. We've got a couple. We, I think we do have a couple. I think Jacob Wiedering is very good in that regard. And yeah. if I was Jacob Wiedering, I'm going to be brutally honest here, I'd be, I'd have the uh, the ears pricked right up and I'd be very alert over the next couple of weeks because I'm not saying they're going to move on anyone quickly. Jacob Wiedering could be captain of the Carlton Football Club quicker than we realise. He's he's a giant. He's, he's not, no, I'm not saying next year. I'm not saying they're going to move on Doc and Cripps. Not at all. No, but you sit there no. going, this guy could become a proposition too good to ignore very, very quickly. His influence and his steadiness and his leadership is just... I. We, we always say it, and, and, and again, we, we don't want to say, you know, I was right or anything else like that, but I... I, I'm not afraid to reach. No, <laughs> you know that. No, I, I, love, I love a big call and, I, and I'm loving, I, I love having a crack. I, I anointed Jacob Wearing the All-Australian centre-half back pre-season. And, and most Carlton supporters... I was sitting next to you, you were holding a... It, it, was, it was an obvious call. You were holding an $85 Canadian club. <laughs> you've still got to get past the best in the competition and you've still got to get the media on side and it's a little bit of a popularity contest, but... His efforts, I mean, I, I wrote down before, it's, and look, tonight was a funny game of football and there was a lot of players up, there were a lot of players down, it was a tough game and it, it, it would, you know, to me it just has to be a product of Carlton having a four-day break and GWS having a five-day break. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to play your slickest, best football. But Jeremy Cameron had four kicks and three handballs and he didn't take a mark. And and if you'd have said to me two years ago, yeah, who will be the best player in the competition in two years' time? The answer is Jeremy Cameron. And he feasted on us. He is the highest paid player in the competition right now, Sean. But he he, he, he is the one. He he is getting a two million dollar contract this year. Well, the two million dollar contract player had Jacob Wietering on him, and he he completely and utterly obliterated him. Like, I can't even find the words to articulate how complete and utter the destruction he did in his game and, and the, the limit to the ability that he had any influence on the game whatsoever. Well, and too, you know, Jeremy Cameron is a player that has dined out on us. I love Jeremy Cameron. He is one of my favourite footballers. And you talk about a bloke with a bit of prick about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hard. He's tough. He's physical. He gets his team up. He leads by example. He's a bloody good footballer, you know, to boot with all of that. He's exactly the sort of football footballer you would build your side around. Well, he came up against the best defender in the competition. He got wiped. He you know, got absolutely wiped. No, he was sensational, Jacob. Um, we'll, we'll touch on Sam Walsh a little bit later on. He's in that category as well. I've got a big, I've got a big uh, statement about uh, Sam Walsh coming up. Um, what you know? What I'd love to see. Our, we, we spoke about, you know, a guy like David Teague, whoever the coach might be at any given moment, you don't have to go spare. You don't have to be ranting and raving. You don't have to be a complete lunatic. What I would do tonight, bus goes back to wherever we're staying, I would tap, I'm going to miss some guys, I would tap Paddy Dow, Samo, Harry, Mitch, Charlie, Fish, uh, Stocker, Stocker's not there, O'Brien, uh, Cunningham, um, I, I will have missed or dropped a few guys out. but SPS. I said, Samo, I said Samo. Oh, you said um, Samo, sorry. I would tap those guys on the shoulder and I'd say wherever their meeting room is tomorrow morning, 
whatever time breakfast is. Just that group of however many young guys, 10, however many it is. Send them to bed. So tomorrow morning they come down and I would sit them there, not ranting or raving. And I would say, there was a great moment, just to digress, there was a great moment in um, uh, the new Tottenham Hotspur documentary where Jose Mourinho is talking to Dali Alley. And there's a bit where he's saying, you know, in training you're lazy, you're a very talented player, but in training you're lazy, blah, 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 you float in and out. You, you just seem happy to be a bit of a party guy, you're earning good money, playing professional football, etc. The lifestyle is great. And he made the point, he goes, today I'm 56. He goes, yesterday I was 20. Yeah. And I'd sit there and say, not be all fucking um, afternoon school special, you know, PSA on them, but sit there and go, you guys have all the talent in the world needed to be professional footballers for the next 10 to 12 years, successful ones as well. You know, winning plenty of games, vying for premierships, driving this proud club forward. What matters in the next three weeks is how much you show us you want it. I, I can't. I, you I can't have, agree with you, you more. You have got the opportunity and, and, in the next three weeks. You know, and not just we're not saying careers are on the line, but but to step up. You know, we're seeing it. We've and maybe have Paddy Cripps and and Doc there as well, and go. It's not just on these two boys to lead us. That's not what we're here for. We're not here to be led by one person, by two players, by a leadership group. Going, when we squander or surrender leads that we've had, it's up to everyone on the field. Fab made the point, the big fabagadoosh, about, you know, 22 contributors. We very rarely have that. When we do, we win. Who delivers that message, Sean? should be Teague. Or, to be honest with you, you're a good coach. You know what? Maybe even fucking David Teague does the handball to Paddy Cripps and says, Cripper... <laughs> And Doc, go get the young boys together. Just you guys, just the playing group, just the young boys. And basically have the chat and just say that next gen, go, it's it's you, it's us, it's on us. We have to be so much better than that. We have to be does so much better. Does it have to come from oh, – the reason why I ask, Sean, is does the message have to come from within the club? I'd like it to. I'd like it to only because I think we need to own our fate. We need to actually yep. be alive, alive enough to go – we spoke about last week, our reputation externally doesn't change until we start performing as a group. Totally. And you go, so we need to own it. We need to be harder. We spoke about last week, guys like um, guys like Crips came into a pretty derelict sort of culture, a pretty dysfunctional culture. Yeah. And that's not on individuals. That's not on Murph and Simo and those guys that have been there for a long time because they came into a dysfunctional culture. Yep. And then Judd came into a dysfunctional culture and was the messiah. He was going to fix it all on his own. And you sit there and go, the fact that he did as well as he did is heroic. Is testament, oh, yeah. Like, I, all all I'm thinking, Sean, is you're right. That core of talent and that group as a unit, you need them pulling in the same direction. And they are, they have so, they're blessed with so much talent, it's ridiculous. And as you say, I, I, I just... I just envisage, we talked about Luke Hodge last week. Luke mm. Hodge comes in and doesn't spray him, but just says, you're so close. You're so close. You don't know how close you are. the buck's going to stop with you guys, and you can either be magnificent or you can be just another bunch of 10 players who will go about your business and earn good money. And as you said, and then next thing you know, you'll blink and you're 45 and your career's over and go, maybe I could have done more. I don't know if it, it could resonate with Hodgie because he did it. If Jonathan Brown delivered it, it might resonate because he did it and he's respected. 
Matthew Pavlich or Nick Revolt could probably do it because they're respected and they see it, but they didn't do it and mm. they missed the opportunity and, and maybe maybe they're able to just say, it didn't work for us, it could work for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm still, I'm just wondering the psychology of it and, and, and you know what you want the end result to be. It's just what are the steps, what are the steps to get you there and and what are the levers that you pull to be able to help you out? And, and I, I don't think that you have to be con, constrained. I mean, fuck, could Ben Simmons do it? Could Andrew Bogut do it? You, you don't even have to be fucking in your own sport. You know, yeah, like, no, I agree. Like, you, all you've you got to need... do is just somebody that has respect and can deliver it and go, guys, you are so close. I want it to be internal. I want it to be the guys sit there and go, this is a reality of the situation. Outside the media will pot us and we've been in how many close games. You look at it realistically, we broke them down last week. Yeah, look, a couple of fortunate ones here and there. But you go, we had an extraordinarily poor 40 minutes against Melbourne and should have run over the top of them. Yep. Port Adelaide, you know, a little bit of lack of polish and poise at the end cost us the game. Um, Fucking uh, Hawthorne. Hawthorne. You sit there going, we have left minimum three games on the table. Yeah. The break even, that is too like conceding we've won some close ones, Frio we, and the We like. pinched the Frio game. Yeah, like, so we were that, good enough to win the Frio game, but where the game got to, we had no right to yeah, win. Yeah, so you see the, the actual net of conceding that, you know, Towner has the shot at goal against uh, Essendon, Essendon and we pinched the Frio game. I reckon the, the plus minus is like minus three. Yep. And you see the going, yep. that's how close we are to turning this around. Minus three, three more wins. We're comfortable. We're in the eight. <laughs> I know, and he's sitting well, there going, well, can, "Jeez, can I just make said? can I just make a point?" And I, I want to pick your brain on this too. GWS kicked six goals. Toby Green kicked one early when they capitalised on the mistake by Walsh by foot yes. and ended up getting a, a, a cheap handball out at the top of the square, and he finished like a good footballer does. Perryman had the fist running with the fly of the ball and created something from nothing. But good luck to him for the effort. You know, we were just at sixes and sevens at that stage. Riccardi kicked two. He got one, the long shot from the top of the goal square, from the top of the, the you know the arc, fantastic. Equally, I think he had a long shot that um, Jack Martin just touched on the goal line, so we were lucky to keep that one out. I don't remember what his other goal was because he had the one where he ran the length of the field and got on the end of it, but he was cooked and he nearly kicked it out on the full. Did Finlayson kick a goal? I know he got one dodgy free kick in the pocket, but he I think it was the one where he hit the post. I'm just, I'm just, I just feel like every goal that I think about GWS kicking against it, against us, I sit there and I go, did they really break us down and out strategize us? Did they, do they have blokes clunking marks? Um, well, we can talk. I think, a, we can I think talk the one about... when Finlayson, what not Finlayson, when Riccardi took it, he, he he wheeled around from the side and he took the the big pack mark, so it was defendable. But he's marked it, and it took a lot of kicking. So good luck to him for kicking the goal there. But there's just there's, there's there was not too many stages where you've gone. Geez, I was just a bit better for it, well, be- we, better than us. Yeah, I, look, I thought we defended well, and they moved the ball quite quickly. But we were able to defend it and withstand. So I, I just walk away from the game, and, and no doubt we didn't take opportunities and we didn't create enough late. But I sit there and I look at our opposition and going. At what point did you flat out deserve to win that game? Well, here's the thing, Tim. It's an it's an excellent. Well, we'll probably come at this from our inside fifties point of view because I think they tie together. Teams you mentioned earlier don't want us to play a particular style of football, and that's fine. You don't want you want to isolate. How does team A want to score? 
and we don't want them to play that way, clearly. But the way that we're, our games are becoming a pattern where we get sucked into playing markers up, playing yep. schoolyard football, kicking to big packs in our forward 50, and then the other team exploits our vulnerability in transition and counterattacks out into space. That is two-pronged, puts a lot of pressure on our defence, puts a lot of, creates a lot of sort of one-on-ones, creates a lot of running back to goal, you know, geez, I've got to, I've got to gather this bouncing ball and where's the tackle coming from, where's my support, etc. creates errors. Um, and just as much on the other side, when we attack... We, we talk about soccer a lot. I don't know why we do that. We should have a soccer podcast. But we attack like you're watching um, Manchester City play Bournemouth. Yeah. And not saying we're Manchester City, but the idea that the opposition stack defence, stack the box, and we basically have to put in cross after cross after cross. We're always playing with our backs to goal. We never get the opportunity to run back into space, to exploit space, to use space. And... Flowing on again, using this as a bit of a leaping off point, we just do not allow ourselves anywhere near the best chance to capitalise. Our pressure recently inside forward 50 has been fantastic. It has. It has been great. But we don't get to capitalise because it's just a mass of humanity down there. Harry or Charlie or Gav obviously playing tonight, Levi has to take a huge pack mark or an Eddie has to snap goal of the week or Paddy Dow had a nice snap in the first quarter opportunism once again is is that carlton footy or is that modern day football as well look i think that we don't want to be playing that way no we don't no so this is why i put the thing out again on twitter about our coaching group and i I asked the question i said does anyone smell a bit of a clean out of our coaching panel coming at year's end we need to be ruthless look i I think i think because of covid19 coaching staffs and potentially playing lists uh, are going to have the blow to which put to them, and and we need I, it. I think your I think your your tweet this week, um, while I think your focus might have been just a touch off, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, th- I think what's going to happen is you're going to have Simon Lo- Simon Lloyd Brad Lloyd Brad Lloyd Brad Lloyd is going to oversee a seriously careful strategic. Um, uh, considered rebuild of his football department, and and you're going to sit there and you're going whatever the number ends up being, you will say we have got a football football department of 35 people, let's say, and we have to reduce this to 22, and we have to spend this amount of money, and as a result, these roles are going to be redundant, and you're going to you're going to restructure, and you're going to need to have ability, multi-tooled ability across the board and you're going to sit there and, and, and you're absolutely right. There's a lot of names at Carlton that have been there for a while and and I, I think as a group we're developing nicely. I don't think we're ready to become the juggernaut that I'd like to think that we're going to be in the immediate term but I, but I think the development is there. The million-dollar question is could you be doing it quicker? Now, you're going to sit there and... and, and I think Fabian hit the nail on his on the head with the responses. Look, you don't really know whether Dale Amos is magnificent at what he does. Mm. You don't know whether Josh Fraser is magnificent at what he does. John Barker's been in the role for a while. He's taken the gig as a senior coach for a while. But are the playing group, have they heard the same thing for too long and it needs to be a different voice? He might be the best voice going around. He might be the absolute reason why we're improving the way that we're going, but we don't know that. And so internally, they're going to be able to assess 
what's right, what's wrong, who's good, who outside of the club is good. You know, all the talk this week about Dean Solomon, you know, Dean Solomon's been applying for senior coaching positions and, and getting relatively close. What he has to say has got to count for something and a club that needs development has moved him on. And and maybe he was just getting overpaid. I, I don't know. But I think that's the case he's just got to you... ask the question of who's there, who's better, who makes us better, who fits with us. And, and I just Pratt? hope that Brad Lloyd is, is going the... to be given carte blanche to be able to make all the rock calls. Is it the Dick Pratt philosophy? You don't get the best available. You get the best. You just get the best, yeah. And well, going, and look, that's exactly well, right. I mean, that's, and that's what we're talking he, about with like he a, did it CEO level. He did it. We, well, we talked about it with, coaching level. We Luke thought Hodge. we were anyway. We talked about it with Luke Hodge last week. You go not saying that Luke Hodge is the panacea, but if the club identifies person A, Nick Rewald to come in part time to have a chat to them, you know, Luke Hodge to come in and do whatever. If the if the club identifies person A, and they think, look, this is going to be the it's going to be whatever percentage advantage to our on-field um, prospects, our off-field development, it is incumbent upon the club to go, well, we've got to get them then. Yeah. And have a very serious conversation with, okay, well, what's it going to take? And once again, be realistic, have a budget. But sit there going, this is the project. The project is, you know, we believe we're this, this, this. And you know what? Fucking pick their brains. Like have a, just a frank conversation, going with something you're interested in. What are your thoughts on this? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Because that that is a whole. We have the talent, not to be winning premierships this year. We have the talent on our list to be a little bit further along than we are now. Look, I maintain that we lost a bit of ground with Bolts toward the end of his tenure, which stalled yep. our development, which had to be arrested on the slide. And and I get that that's gonna we we did stall. That's gonna set us back a little bit. But you sit there and go, David Teague is a first-year coach. He's had one preseason at the helm. He's done a, a reasonable apprenticeship, no questions asked. But he's a first-time coach in his first full season of AFL coaching. <clears throat> coaching. I look at the coach's box we have at the moment. I look at the coach's box we put in with Bolts. It's no coincidence that when Neil Craig exited that coach's box, we went to shit. Yep. It's no coincidence. You look at Neil Craig, very experienced guy, loveliest man alive, by the way, Neil Craig, unbelievable. The nicest man in existence. He's just ridiculous how nice he is. Shout out to Craggy. Um, But as soon as that experience head left, you know, I think um, uh, Wolsey sort of did a little bit of ad hoc sort of stuff. I reckon he might have been more of a mole, to be brutally honest, um, reporting what do you think. But we need to support Teague with the best structure and framework of ideas, personnel, personalities that we possibly can. I am not convinced that the structure and framework that we have in place at the moment is best serving David Teague as a head coach and therefore flowing down and best serving the Carlton Football Club. And that seriously needs to be discussed. A little bit of stuff on Twitter. People obviously super passionate about the club. Some some often like to think that doesn't matter if you follow Carlton Nesson and Collingwood Hawthorne, club can do no wrong. Never makes mistakes, never has the wrong people employed in any position. Everyone that's employed at my club is industry leading. It's just not the case. It can't be. It's just not the case. So we need to, and I'm not saying like swing the axe and get rid of everyone. We need to have a very, very serious discussion about the composition of our coaching group because we can't be having performances and repeat performances like we're getting. Yeah. Yeah. Where where are the learnings? Like we've always said this year, that 
what the playing group seems to be is, um, up until recently anyway, they're able to shift and change style to adapt and accommodate to the circumstance. Um, you know, it, it seems after each quarter time break, we we seem to, especially if we're getting beaten, we're able to find something else and do something different. I think sometimes what it's what it feels like at the moment is when we get in front and we're having to stay there. I don't think we know what to do. We're sea biscuit timber. And, and again, I, I think we still just stay safe. And I always say, you know, when Ken Hinckley was, you know, very very early days at Port Adelaide, he just he'd just say, take the game on, take the game on, take the game on. And the night they got beaten by, I think Geelong, he said, I didn't say it to them at three-quarter at, at three quarter time. He goes, and it's the one thing that I wish if I had my time again, I'd tell them just to do that because they were in front, it was all working, and you just keep doing it. You know, don't don't be afraid to lose the game and freeze and and lose your lose your dare. You, you just got to keep on, just maintain the rage and well, and go down swinging, but stay honest with your with your mantra and your style. Well, philosophically, um, I got a question for you. Where are we? Six and eight. Yep. So we're six and eight. Three games left. Philosophically, why wouldn't that be our philosophy? Why wouldn't that be our approach? Well, I'm just we don't not saying it. We, we don't want to hang out a fence out. Like, we, I think it should be. We don't want to hang I out think, a fence out to dry. But yeah, I, I think when you when you've recruited talent and you bolted that on year on year on year, when you watch the way that GWS play, they back their skills in, their talent in, and they just they're prepared to bet they're just better than the rest. And the bottom line is tonight they just weren't. No. You know, as far as being up for the fight and being prepared to work, we had a. We had them hands down. We, we we were if you looked at work rate and and measured intensity and all that sort of stuff. We 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 had them absolutely beaten on the break without just we were hands down better. But they still cre- they created a few cheap goals that you know it was six goals to five. I mean fuck. I mean it's it was so low scoring and goals were so important. Hey, when we were trying work out goals. The Liam Jones fuck up. Uh, was that Finlayson that ends up kicking that goal? Oh, was maybe. that his? Yeah, maybe. Or was that the second Riccardi goal? Because oh, I, I just it. kept on thinking there were simple goals and that was completely avoidable. And that's, yeah, that that's just the way that tonight, tonight if we just had a bit of finish and class along with our effort, we, we just create more goals. I mean, look, you know, Pitnet Pitnet's second shot at goal, the long one that just faded late and you were urging it just to get over the line because you, you knew it was going left. It was a really good kick, especially for Mark Pitnet. That was an exceptional kick, but that's a hard one from that distance and it hit the post. The earlier one that he had the free kick when Mumford uh, blocked him out of the contest you know, immediately, you just got to kick that goal. You know, he, He's shown from 50 he can kick it. Well, from 25 you have to kick it. Um, Jack Martin does all the right things, hit the contest at speed, has got the check side goal to finish in the last quarter. Well, you just kick that goal. You know, when you're getting paid a million dollars a year and you, you're being lauded as potentially the best young footballer ever to come into our game, you kick that goal. And, you know, even if you've got to step onto your left foot and finish it on your left as it goes to checks, I don't care how you get it. When you're that classy, you just finish. And then my boy, Harry Mackay, who I did give votes again tonight, because seven marks inside 50, he was the dominant, well, with the exception of the scoreboard impact of, of Jake Riccardi, he was the dominant big man on the ground. 
Um, but he had three set shots on that left-hand side, which doesn't suit his style of kicking because he does curve them in and it makes it buddy style. It makes it very hard to kick him, which, again, makes it makes you wonder how on earth Buddy does do what he does. I don't but, think Buddy um, knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Um, no, he doesn't. I don't think he has any clue. He just kicks it. And it's but he doesn't. Just so he's, kicked, he's kicked 850 goals or yeah, something no, like that. No, that's what it's I mean. Not, I, he hasn't got there by chance. You, you spoke <laughs> earlier about Liam Jones not caring about mistakes. I don't think anything's going through Buddy's head as he's walking in. I don't think he's yeah, thinking, geez, I hung that last one out or the wind or is this. He just hits it as hard as he can. And that's how it goes. But we, look, we, we spoke earlier about mentality and the, and the kids, and we're not here to pot kids. Um, I think that we as a club are as much to blame for some of the issues they're having as they themselves are. You look at a guy like Paddy Dow, did some nice things, had some nice flourishes. I think we need to do the Rodney Ede, Daniel Gorringe kicking license with Paddy just at the moment. He had that one shocking kick forward, which is appalling. But the gather and sidestep before it was exceptional. Magnificent. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. But look, he finishes with eight touches. SBS could not get involved for love nor money. He had five touches. Yep. Harry marked really well, couldn't kick to save his life. McGovern yep. worked his bollocks off. He only had eight touches. Fisher, again, great pressure when the ball hit the deck, only had six touches. The list goes on and on. We need them to step up because yep. they are the guys we have recruited to be having bigger impacts than they are at the moment. Now, we are partly to blame because I could make an argument that of all the young guys we currently have in our setup, Jacob Wiedering playing at more or less centre-half back, Harry Mackay playing more or less full forward at the moment, notionally. Yeah. I, th- I like him a bit more out, but due to personality. I think he's so rangy, he gets out. Due to personality, obviously, he has yeah. to play a bit deeper. Um, and Sam Walsh, of late, playing more wing ball. They are, feel like the only three young guys we have on the list who are playing the roles they played at junior level. Maybe centre field, but he's not doing... He's not... He's not elite dominant midfielder yet, but he's he's building towards that. And and I guess it also depends on whether you still class Paddy Cripps as a yeah. I mean, like super a, young, young, like young kid. Or not so too, so. That, that's uh, that is an issue for me. Where you go, well, their output, we would love it to be higher. But by the same token, um, you know, you got Paulson, who to his credit was okay tonight. He was okay. He was yeah. okay tonight, but he's not a small defender. And you go, that's where you put him in, and he would happily gobble up a game playing anywhere. But you go, you're playing him in a small defender, and you go, well, he wasn't really a small defender. I hate that. I hate it so much. And then we're all sitting here one, two, three, four years down the line talking about stilted development, stop-start careers, what's happening with this kid, what's happening with that kid. And you're going, well, Samo, when we took him at well, – we took him at technically pick five, but you go, when we took him at our know, first pick in the draft, we didn't take him to be a small defender. We didn't take him to be playing that Caleb Daniel role. You know, yeah, we played we played him as being a, an an inside midfielder. Who you know, we Zach don't Fisher, play Zach Fisher, midfield. Zach Fisher. We did not recruit Zach Fisher to be playing in a forward pocket. Yeah, he he's a wing half wood flanker. That's it. And you're going through these guys, and you're sort of going, you know, I think Williamson's maybe another one too, where he's kind of playing in that half back role. But he was always a half back. Exactly right. So you kind of go, well, that's that's another one I've, I've sort of happened across. But we seem to do this too often. And it, and it just annoys me when then we look at the stats and go, geez, well, geez, we'd love Paddy Dow to have more than eight. We'd love Samo to have more than five, et cetera. And you're going, but are we giving them the best chance? Yeah. And I hope it doesn't sound like I'm making too many excuses for them. No, no, no. Because I, they have I, to look, own their performance. I, I think you're leading into the next important question and 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 it probably it, – it talks a little bit to my background as well and, 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 I, and I still have the feeling that 
we may not have a first-round draft pick this year anyway. But we now come up against Sydney and Adelaide in our next two weeks. And I reckon across the board, one of the most frustrating things for Carlton supporters this season is we are playing players out of position. <sighs> and and with that in mind, like I looked tonight, I, I thought Simo played a, a decent game tonight. Okay. I, I don't think he was stellar, but he hasn't he hasn't been as absent and playing a simple role as he has in previous weeks. I thought he was pretty good this week. He was okay. Um, yeah. he, he was okay, but but. I, I still think, yeah, we've forever been saying play play Petrovsky Seaton inside or or on a wing. Play Can't Fisher is. on a half forward flank or a wing. I reckon tonight Levi Kasbolt just looks like he, he's not done for the year, but he just looks tired. He he's just not running on top of the ground. He, he's just not impacting it. Even late he had the opportunities to clunk a couple of marks. He got his hands to it. And they just never look like sticking all night. McGovern, we've always talked about, is a guy who just seems to take two or three weeks to find touch. And then as soon as he's got it, it's sort of like, look out, he, he will tear you apart. So you've got to persist with him. Um, I think we, I think Pino, we, Pino we, chunked a few tonight and, and really involved himself in the game. So you can still persist with him. But I still think if you've got DeConning, like if Kasbok comes out because he just needs a break, well, you just bring DeConning straight in and, and you play your two-headed monster again, but you just you balance it up as needed. But I just think with, and you don't want to take opposition easy, but with lesser opponents, I think you can be less strategic and talk about who do we have to play against and how do we set up and just go, let's just look at the team that we've got. And and again, what succeeded last year was the boys just play with freedom. And I reckon you just open it up and, and, and give them, you know, you talked about license before, you know, just the license to run, and carry and overlap and switch and take the corridor and make as many mistakes as you want to make. And if we get beaten by 10 goals because we make errors and it goes back and gets kicked over our head 10 times and we get beaten, you know what? The season's done anyway. Whether we finish, there'll be other supporters that won't agree with this, but whether we finish ninth or whether we finish 13th, right now, I kind of don't care. I, I, I went into this season, I reckon when we talked about our preview, to me, the numbers didn't matter this year. Whether we won six or we won eight or we won 10 or we won 12, to me it was you just got to continue to develop and you have to continue to improve. You have to leave behind the losing that we've left behind, put more games into the kids as we develop and just get better. Next year is when I expected that we were going to make genuine uh, impact and improvement. And there's no doubt that we've made improvement this year. But as you say, let's start playing our kids in the right location, just just test them out and see where they're at. And if you roll the dice for two weeks, whether you win or lose, let, let's say we still get our two wins but we play our own style, then you just get a free hit at Brisbane and you're going, the grand final's going to get played at the Gabba. The final series will probably get paid, played in Queensland as well because they can't really leave the hub. If, if they play their cards right, there is no reason why they are not the premiers. I don't think they will be because I don't think they're ready. No, no. However, <clears throat> in the shadows of finals, when they have a feeling that they're about to do something of importance, just throw everything at it. And and again, same thing. If you get done by 10 goals because you're taking the game on, who the fuck cares? That's what happened to them in the final series last year. They, they pushed and pushed and pushed. And they were too young. They weren't ready. But didn't hurt them at all. You know, I, I thought them going out in straight sets could have been you know, really put them back on their on, on their heels and it hasn't at all. And I just sort of think again, we we've put so much 
youth and talent into this team, let, let's let's see him play to those strengths. Absolutely. And, we- and maybe give Simo a break. Maybe <clears throat> give Betts a break. Let, let's, like, Betts, Betts had eight possessions tonight and he looked like he was close to breaking out and doing something. But again, do, do you get a look at Owies and see if he can do something? You know, Fraser Phillips kicked a lot of goals in the uh, under-18s last year. Do you expose him and give him a shot? Um, yeah, it's a shame we don't have Brody Kemp up and going and, get, and just just see how he fares. We've been saying about Lockie O'Brien. Lockie O'Brien's just got to be in that team. He's got to play. Even, even if nothing else, just to remind him through his preseason of this is what you're working towards. Because his athleticism is unquestioned. His run and carry and, and, and taking the game on is, is unquestioned. He probably just needs to... We know that he needs to work on this de- defensive side of his footy as well, but... What's he learning when he's playing top-up games against NEFL sides and, you know, wearing opposition jumpers here and there? You know, just get him in amongst it and just remind him what, he's, what his career's about. I think you, you spoke about it during the week, uh, the last part, about um, a guy like TDK, and you mentioned him there. Mumford presented nothing tonight worth worrying about from TDK's no. point of view, and Pitnet was looking a bit laboured, a bit sore um, last week. This was a really good opportunity for TDK to get some confidence to go up against a... Look, Mumford's done. In 2020, no one should be worried about what Shane Mumford's bringing to the table. He would have yep. tried to rough TDK up. TDK, I think, would have been very, very quickly aware of the situation. This guy can't go with me. Yep. And I think it would have been a really good fillip for his confidence to go, oh, this guy's you know, pretty well-credentialed, well-travelled ruck. And, you know, I've got his measure. Yeah, I think that's worth more to DeConning than it is Pitnet at this stage. But, um, you know, we spoke... But the physicality of the Pitnet brought was always going to match up well against yeah, that's Mumford what and you kind of do. thought that, that, that'll work. That'll work. I, I was happy enough with that. There was the bit where Mumford tried to rough up Cripps at one point and fortunately the umpires looked after him then because I still have, you know, and I think a lot of Carlton supporters and players, you know, have have a you know really bad memories of Mumford absolutely creaming uh, Mark Murphy and no one flying the flag for him afterwards. So, uh, you know, the fact that they weren't able to do something like that again tonight at least made me happy. Um, and I, I love Pitnet's effort against him. I, yeah, I, I know, thought he did really like well. He was, he was fine. He was fine. Um, I think, you know, briefly, we've kind of, kind of gone through the chicken shits pretty um, inadvertently there. We, I was meant to say we were doing them off the top, but we've gone through them um, pretty thoroughly. From a chicken salad point of view, I, I briefly touched on uh, Sam Walsh. Um, I, I made the claim we were sitting at the Collingwood preseason game having our $900 Canadian clubs. Um, and I made the point that day, I thought, Sam Walsh, our best player. He is our best player. Not just because he, Paddy Cripps is he, so out of form, not just because yeah. Cripps is so out of form at the moment, not because Charlie's injured, we haven't been able to see him. But you look at it and go, this guy for, is he 20 now? Has he just turned 20? He's turned 20, um, yeah. You look at it and go, he is our best player. He's an absolute star. He, he and Wietering are the cornerstones of the next yep. 10 plus years of the Carlton Football Club, that is exactly what you want to take. Um, like poor old Paddy Cripps at the moment. He's playing like, what was the guy from Space Jams taking his powers? He's playing like that. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, we love him to death. And he's not necessarily having a bad year as such. He's having a bad year relative to his usual output. Yeah. What do you do with him? I, I said, I don't know if I said this on the text, I said it on Twitter. I would have started him in the last quarter in the goal square. I would have gone, you've had seven touches, a goal will win this game. Go, Seb, you had, you don't, it's not that you're not trying, not that you're breaking your balls to get into the game, but I would have cleared out the forward 50 a bit and put him deep with whoever was man enough to stand him and just said, one goal wins it. 
Are you playing him next week? Um, when are we playing Sydney? Does it matter? Not really. Um, but it'll still be a short backup. It might be six days rather than four. Look, if he's fit, if he's fit, he plays. Is he? Well, that's that's well, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. If he's fit, he plays. If he's right to Do play, you he reckon plays. he's fit? Um, I reckon there was a bit of talk during the week about his um, his body shape, and he's clearly trimmed down. And I agree completely that I'm not sure why we're trying to turn one of the greatest contested ball winning players of all time into something else. I'm not even sure That's what. I'm yeah. not. Even, I'm not even sure what that something else is intended to be because I, I think it's just the want for him to be able to run and go in both directions and all that yeah, sort of stuff. Even but then. I think Nick Revolt hit hit the nail on the head in part of his analysis tonight where he sort of said it looks like he's getting too close to the contest and it sort of showed it showed where you know he tried to push back and be a number in defence and then the moment we got the ball he was trying to run back but then couldn't get into anywhere to be able to influence and I always say I, I watched a, a game that James Hurd an Anzac Day game that James Hurd played in and there was a, a, a ball up at 90 metres from goal on their far, half forward flank and he just ran away from the contest. And, and again, he, they might have had an extra number. He maybe just backed in the blokes that were around it. But they won the contest and a quick kick came, came out, kicked forward, and he's staying there 35 metres out from goal, takes a mark, and no one within 15 metres of him. And you, just sort of, you sat there and you're going, clearly you've just got whatever whatever it is, you've got it. I mean, I don't like James Hurd, but when you sat there, you, you always sort of wonder, what, does make, what, are these, what makes these good players good? And you just watched him do that and you're going... Oh, I, I can't even, I can't even work out how you've done what you've done yet you've managed to do it, and I, you just wonder, is the answer? Don't try and run both ways, Paddy. Just after the contest, just push, push forward into space and get dangerous. And if we can't defend it and we've got one less number there, well, the reality is you probably weren't going to be able to run and be a part of it anyway. So, you know, again, just just get dangerous and not fully roll the dice, but just be ready for the next link up. And be important there. And if it requires a contest two kicks later and you're in the vicinity, you'll give us the contest that we need, more likely to win it than not. Absolutely. And look, as I said, so look, Walsh, Walsh has, has more than stepped up to the plate of late. Uh, we mentioned Jacob Wiedering off the top has, has had a sensational season, was very, very good again today. Uh, a little positive out of the game, I thought Sam Doherty was far more positive than he has been in recent weeks. Yep. I thought he really bounced back and... Um, you know, regained and, and matched up on Harry Himmelberg to start the yes, game as well. Yeah, yeah. So we we were genuinely asking a lot of our players, and 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 the matchup demanded that. But the way that the game played for a while, we were getting a lot of their bigs further down the ground, and you thought, well, if you've gone tall, is that going to rob you of, of of your own ability to be able to you know run with us? And I think a lot of their bigs are pretty mobile. Cameron can run, Finlayson can run, Riccardi obviously got up and down pretty well and Himmelberg does it okay so they're a little bit like our forwards you know there's no real lumbering players in there their only lumbering player is their ruckman um, you actually mentioned yeah. I think given what you've just said what makes it all the more frustrating as you said then if somebody had mentioned at the start of the night GWS are going to kick six goals with what? you go shit go defence has done a great and look as you said they left a couple on the table they're a bit wasteful early I thought that evened out as the contest wore on but um yeah, someone had said at the start of the night they'll kick six. You've gone, geez, out of fences. That's heroic. It has held up magnificently. Yeah, geez, that's a great I, effort. I actually went in afraid of a 40-plus point loss just because, you know, it was our last roll of the dice. Your season falls away. You know, they, they've feasted on us before. They'd gone big forward. If they win the midfield, 
you know, are, are we going to have much of a counter? I was worried about Toby Green just because I just didn't think we had the obvious matchup. We all talked during the week that Plowman's probably the right guy for him. Well, he had 17 kicks, two handballs, took seven marks and kicked a goal, and he could have absolutely torn us apart the way the game was played. So if it hadn't been played on our terms and it had been a bit more open and flowing, it scares me what he might have done. But as you say, the defence, as we set up, did a bloody good job. Absolutely. Uh, we'll go to the mailbox now. Um, we've had an outstanding response there. We've had 60 tweets come through. We're not going to be able to get through all of those. But um, we'll get through as many as we can uh, in a handful, of, I suppose, as we... Uh, close out the episode. Uh, kicking us off, um, we've got Ashley Gallagher, your mate, Timbo. My mate, Ash. Celebrating Ash. the Community Shield win. Shout out um, to Ash. He's tweet, three games left. Would you try some of the players we've yet to see? Uh, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Give, as you, you know, Timbo mentioned then, um, Owies, would love to have a look at him. Would love to have a look, obviously, get O'Brien to that team. Um, I want to see McCready get a run. Uh, oh yeah, I yeah I could do without that. I don't need that. That, but um, look, yeah, I'm I'm happy to move things around, give guys a look, um, particularly if we're going to probably shed uh, talk of forty list spaces. Um, if we're going to shed six list spaces, and we were going to just you know, say if we shed forty, there's not going to be but much I mean, left. If, if we, yeah, if we're going to shed after tonight. <laughs> we'll we could, keep Crips. We'll keep Walsh. Tonight, we'll keep Weedering. After that's about tonight, it. we could probably get rid of forty. But um, given that we're going to shed six. On you know, on top of what we were already forecasting to do, you're sort of going well. I think we owe it to those guys. Moonlight Graham, Timbo. We always say Moonlight Graham. Give them a look. Yep. Give him his one game. Give him his give him his at bat. See what he can do with it. Um, no, totally agree. And Ash's second point: Who would you retire? Look, to be honest with you, I don't want to retire anyone. You know, I think that um, if it gets that far with any particular player, it's it's sad. You know, I hope hope that players who have had really, really good careers are mature enough to sort of go, geez, maybe I'm done, you know. And ultimately, of those guys, I think personally, the four that always get spoken about is Cruiser, Murphy, Betts and Simpson. Um, I think Betts' position is contingent upon what comes in. Um, I would personally see Simpson out. Um, I would keep Cruiser only because we've got, three recognised rucks on our list. If we're going to be servicing yep. a reserves team next year, you can't do that with two rucks. And we've already said he's not going to demand the wage that he's been not. on in recent years. And you sit there and you're going, we want you, but we want you what we're prepared to pay you. And he'd be if prepared to, to accept go that. for more elsewhere, it only increases the compensation. I'd hate to lose him because I love the kid. Nah, no, one's, you say, no one's picking him, him and, and we'd get him for minimum chips. Um, minimum chips, yeah. And, and he's still a valuable part of our team. He would be playing Agreed. fit. Uh, and then Murphy, people, how quickly they forget, Murph was good tonight. He was best man on the ground two weeks ago. He's got another yep. year in him. So, Murphy's going fine. Yeah. Murphy's going fine. We've just got to – we probably just have to say what role are you playing. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's – he's he will always take a run through the midfield without any shadow of a doubt. He'll spend time on a wing – um, because he runs well and he's creative enough sort of, you know, kicking inside 50 and inside 50 itself. I mean, God, you know, you've only got to remember the Frio game and the snapshot to be able to win the goal. I mean, mm. he can create stuff as needed. He can hit the target for the bloke that's going to kick the goal to win you the game as well. You just keep him at it. And equally, you know, having a guy like Murphy with players around him like Stocker and Cunningham and O'Brien and Dow, you know, that he brings that style and the skill that we want them to be able to replicate. Absolutely. Um, Benjamin, uh, BR Caffey, I'm never sure how to say that. Do tweet us. Um, he's a, a great listener, great follower of the program. 
Uh, his tweet, it's hard to tell on TV, but it seems like they push way too many numbers forward, which clogs up 50. Then when the oppo rebound, they have all the space in the world. Coaches need to look at that balance in the off-season. Uh, also, maybe rest Crips for the rest of the year. Look, we, we spoke about it. If Crips is fit, he plays. If he's not fit, be sensible about it. Um, I, I, I think, me personally, I think there is almost no chance he plays next week. Yeah, okay, well, and that's, and once again, if he's, if he's not fit to go, you go, that's... Absolutely sensible. Um, with regard to that earlier point, totally right. We we saw it against Collingwood last week. They keep those outliers off the pack for um, for good exits. They actually kind of set up a perimeter around the stoppage. We seem to all get sucked to the ball. Yeah, and we have no outs. We've got we don't have those those supporting you know on the flanks where we can look at the ninety degree angle and go where's my where's my handball. Or the yeah. like. Well, it was funny. The Paddy Dow goal was purely because he didn't get sucked yeah. into that mass of, yeah. of bodies and he, he gave himself space to be able to work. And we've always talked about his breakaway from a, a, a clearance is phenomenal. But I, I think, you know, the smart footballer goes, well, I'm standing here and if I get it, I'm going there. And if I'm not going there, I'm going there. And, and you kind of know one and two steps ahead of where you are, what you're going to do. He's blessed with, you know, fantastic acceleration and all that sort of stuff as well. But yeah, that was that was a goal of just a smart footballer, and Absolutely. and for all the for all the criticism of Dow, you know, he does along the journey he does so much right. It's just a little bit like Liam Jones when he does things wrong, you see it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. They they tend to his errors tend to really be magnified for for yep. whatever reason. And he's got a reputation. Yeah, yeah. You absolutely. know, pe- people have cottoned on to it. And they talk about it too much. And we're probably too focused on it as well. But absolutely, um, Shannon Emmanuel. Fantastic listener of the pod. Is it just me? Yeah, we love Shannon. Or do we always give up about five too many handballs in front of goal trying to make the perfect option? Shannon, mate, thank you. Because we <laughs> do that every week. I don't know why someone just doesn't have a shot for goal. I'm not sure the other guys involved in the chain. Murphy seems to be involved in all of them. Um, but that one where we were would have been in the third, third. quarter... And he's sitting there going, one of you assholes has to have a shot. I don't even care if you miss at this point because at the moment we're going to get zero points. And who did have the shot in the end? Was it Jack Martin? Jack Martin, or? I think. And you're sort of going, you know, you know, the first guy, I think Mackay maybe gave it to someone. I think Murph got it. And you're going, Mackay's is probably the only handball you go, uh, yeah. You go, Mackay's handball, fair enough. But everyone else, yeah. have the fucking shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, in, in a game where... In a game where six goals is going to win it, um, ha- ha- just have a crack. And I, I mean, look, we'll lament it the whole way through. Yo, Mackay has three set shots on goal and misses all three um, that were all kickable. And Riccardi has two shots that uh, he was the difference. That's what kills you, isn't Pure it? Pure and simple. That's what kills you. I'm um, just trying to find another one. And mind you, they, they gave up. I mean, they were one goal nine at half time. So they more than missed more than their quota. So, you know, they should have been a whole lot closer and potentially even in front. Um, but second half, when the game was on the line, I mean, what did they kick? They kicked they kick 5-3, I mm. think, for the for the second half. And we kicked one goal, six. Was that is that right? Uh, in the last three quarters. One, six, one, nine, one nine in the last three quarters we kicked because we were four straight at half Take that, time, take that sips and six and flip it upside down. Um, yeah. Nick Walsh, Panda Pondering, again. He's come to the table with some good stuff of late. Uh, uh, was Andrew Russell heralded as recruit of the year when we got him? Is it just me, or do we get run over the top of more than any other club? I would never say I've watched the last quarter and thought, fuck me, we're running over the top of these guys. We actually spoke about this a little while ago now. I don't know when exactly. 
just as I'll watch this space. Now, the compressed fixture, A, it's not going to lead to pretty football. I don't know why anyone thought the football would be good when teams are having four-day breaks. Yeah. But B, we, we need to be careful with regard to those four-day breaks. It is very difficult to manage the teams. And, and well, you can't train. You, no, you no, don't no, do no. a workout it, in between. It's, all, no, it's it, all recovery and ready to go. And in our case... You get fit playing games of footy. Absolutely. And in our case, we have done some some strange kind of trips back and forth across the country and some quarantines and the like. Um, but that being said, Nick, it, it is a bit of a watch this space for me. Um, we've got a couple of guys that the highest profile of them is clearly Charlie Curnow who, to be honest, I think Andrew's tenure with us might be tied to. I think there could be a little bit of an element of no one is ever in this sports science space in the job forever. There's always, you know, the next big thing, the next big idea coming down the pike. Um, He did a good job getting a guy like um, Jago O'Meara back up and running. Yep. Uh, I think there could be an element of... Sean Burgoyne. Sean Burgoyne's a big one. There could be an element of, if you get Charlie back up and running, that gets you a lot of credits. Yeah, if it we does. Have, if and, we and, and look, I mean, I, I've always said it before. I, I I knew Andrew growing up, and he was at Port Adelaide when Adam was playing there as well. So I've I've watched his career really, really closely, and I, I, I have so much admiration for what he's done. Um, and the impact that he's had, and and he's always been, he's always been lauded as the best going around, and uh, and and so I love him. And when we got him, I was delighted. Um, and, and I think the fact that he's got the fitness element as well as the recovery element, you know, medical side of it, you know, I I love for obvious reasons. Um, but um, but yeah, I I think you're right. I think he is absolutely the guy that you want involved right now. However. If I'm Brad Lloyd and I'm going, what were the patterns about about the season? You're going to say, we didn't score that well in the second half. And mm. so you're going to sit there and you're going, well, is that the lack of Sav Rocker and not having a bloke that helps us with our kicking? Is it Andrew Russell hasn't done a good enough job and we weren't fit enough? Where we young and didn't have enough miles in our legs? So when we weren't able to train during the year and get better, did it always leave us on the wrong side of that, that element? Maybe. I mean, there are so many ways that you could skin it. But theoretically, if they turned around and they said, as part of this rebuild, you're getting overpaid. We, we paid you a huge amount of money to be able to get you in. You're the first person to go. If they did it, I'd hate it, but it wouldn't surprise me. We just need but to I'd, be prepared. But I do hope that he ends up central to our next couple of years anyway and just to sort of see exactly what we've got. You've, you've hit the nail on the head. It's a watch this space. Yeah. But this role is always a watch this space. Well, it has to be because things change. And I, I reckon it was a few years ago. When they started really pressing um, and and really making it hard to be able to get out of defence, if you didn't have a team that had the skill to be able to kick your way through uh, that zone that had pushed further up the ground, you couldn't win foot. You couldn't win football games. And there were teams, there were teams that weren't equipped and just got slaughtered. Similarly. Game styles would change where all of a sudden it was just manic run. And if you were too big bodied and you've been doing weights all preseason and you're trying to match the speed that these teams would spread with and create open space and all that sort of stuff, you were dead. And then equally, there would be eras and, and, and these ebb and flow every sort of two and three years where it's pure contested footy and you need the big bodies. And if you're not banging and crashing and winning the contest, you don't compete. And so young sides don't have any opportunity. And just footy, footy just 
you know, there's always something new. There's a new fad, and if it's working, people people follow the leader. Um, and so, and that's the thing, isn't it? This ties, this all ties in, doesn't it? This all ties in from your head of performance to your coaches. You need to be the ones at, as best you can, really. But if if you can be the ones at the cutting edge, creating the next, you know, yep. the next um, trend, that that's that's where you get your competitive advantage, whilst everyone else figures it out. And you go, Which you, you, you go, your head coach and his game plan is everything yeah. because he's got to be able to believe it. He's got to be able to articulate it. He's got to have people get on board with it and he needs that second level of coaching to be able to also coach it and replicate it. And ideally, if you've got a VFL team and what Hawthorne's always done well is they have to play the same way as well. So you learn at the lower level doing replicate exactly the same thing. So when you have a glut of halfback flankers that go down and Liam Stocker has to come straight back into the side to play a role that he's never played before, at least he's he's been taught this is the expectation and this is what you need to do. I think it's interesting that you know we mentioned that that that's where you just need to be prepared to to be ruthless. And we're not saying be ruthless now, but with all of those roles, do we have the best mix? Do we have the best minds? Do we have therefore the best opportunity to capitalise on what we've brought into the club? And you go. That's where Brad Lloyd is so integral. He's so important to what's going on. Yep. So, um, yeah, with regard to Andrew Russell, clearly, you know, at the moment you go, it's a, it's a, let's let's wait and see. Yeah, um, totally. And like it is with all the line coaches, as you said in the review, what are the trends? Are they positive trends? Are they negative trends? What can we do to avoid them? And then you set a bit of a benchmark to go, well, geez, if they continue, then that gives us a decision to make. So, um, as you said, very highly thought of, very highly regarded. I, I personally am, more, more, am of the opinion that Charlie will have an enormous say into uh, just how long Andrew Russell's tenure at the Carlton Football Club is. Um, and if you can get him right, he's obviously doing a lot of other stuff right as well, and that's only a benefit to us. So um, thank you very much, obviously, everyone who wrote into the mailbox tonight. Like I said, we had 60-odd um, responses, which is unprecedented. Uh, and clearly too many for us to get through. Absolutely outstanding. There's some great stuff in there. Um, swing by our page and get involved. Um, I'll, I'll try to get through as many as I can as responses as well. So thank you very much again for those who wrote in, gave us uh, your thoughts. Um, obviously, we've got Sydney next up. I'm going to have a look, Timbo, and determine when exactly that is. Yep. I've got a feeling it's six days because I was – I. I knew with the glut of games that we had coming up that we were going to play a lot of games back to back to back. And I was having a close look to see what the time frames in between were and what the time frames the teams were playing against were and if at any stage we were being thrown to the wolves. Tuesday. And as it turned out, it wasn't too bad. So it's Tuesday, is it? So that's a five-day break. Yeah. And Sydney played today, so they're also five. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. That's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, I, I looked at it and I didn't think that we were being... I think the only side that I think we were on the wrong side of the ledger might have been Adelaide. I think, but I'm not 100%, or it could have been Brisbane, but either way. Please thank God uh, Adelaide won, Timbo. Well, you know, a mate of mine, Gary Gardner, shout out to Gary. He he made the comment today that, uh, you know, it, he always sort of felt like that was the game that we were going to drop and, and, and be sort of roundly criticised for it. So at least... At least if we're in there as well, at least we're not the only one. I actually saw a really good stat today on Twitter that said, uh, or a bit of trivia, I guess, that said, name the only senior AFL coach whose first win was against Alistair Clarkson. 
Matthew Nix. That's Matthew Nix, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. No, there was never I, anything I just, I just really liked it. There was never anything more certain than us dropping that <laughs> to be their first first win of the season. Probably their only yeah. win of the season. Um so like I said, thanks for the mailbox, everyone. Excellent work. Our player of the year has gone in camera, as they say. So we're keeping the oh, – well, I'm actually going to keep that a secret for everyone, to be honest. We're going to unveil it uh, probably on our season end show. Um, tonight's votes, I went Walsh, Weedering, Murphy. Fabian also went Walsh, Weedering, Murphy. Timbo went Weedering, Walsh, McKay. Um, I can understand that a bit this week, Harry. didn't finish off his work, but otherwise did play quite well. Seven um, marks on a night where they weren't clunking too many. I just thought, especially the first half, he was terrorising the GWS back line. And he was, he was. If, he, if he'd finished his work, it was – well, he finished the work, we win the game. Agreed. So, um, and, so we've got a guy like Walsh, I think, is making a bit of a charge, though Wiedering did collect good votes tonight to keep him at bay. Um, so that'll be interesting uh, as that progresses. Um our best and fairest overall, the footy club best and fairest, I think those two are going to be so far in front of everybody else, it's not going to be funny. I think Ed Kerno yeah. will always float around because yeah. he's so bloody honest and he's always given a, a job every single week and I think he executes his job every single week. But, yeah, as a club, um, it's going to be fascinating to see who falls on the right side of the count. But, again, to have two number one draft picks that are going to be so dominant, um, anybody that wants to criticise anything that, Steve Silvani has done in recruiting and going to sit there and going, well, at least if nothing else, those two blue riband picks that you've had, you have just completely smashed out of the park. Not just in terms of ability, but personality. I think so it too. Leadership, like. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. They'll well, drive, drive uh, standards within the club too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tim, I think that just about wraps us up for this rather disappointing review conversation. Um, I think we did the best we could to... Bring passion, perspective. What did we get beaten by Collingwood? Ten points? Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. So if, you, if people had told you we'd get beaten by Collingwood by ten points and GWS by nine points in the two biggest games of the season, you'd probably sit there and you're going, well, at least it gets beaten. Get, beats getting beaten by ten goals in each. But, again, still they, so they very dissatisfied. Us, though. They teased us. Um, they teased us, yeah. So, obviously, big shout-out to uh, Faba Ganoush, who's not with us. Um Catch him on the uh, the next one, hopefully. He's not with us tonight. He's no, with us. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no, not you know, not physically for now, but um, <laughs> spiritually. Um, for me, Sean Peterbach, thank you so much for your ears this evening. We'll catch you next time for Doctor Tim Davis. Thank you, Sean. It's always a pleasure, but is it's it, becoming Tim? a long season, and is I need a W. Thank God it's compacted, and we're playing five less games. Well, this is true. This is true. We'll catch you next week. Take care, guys. Go Blues. That was the least convincing go blues of the season. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think I think it talked very much to your comment. <laughs> I'm a wreck. I'm out of time. I barely made it out alive. I'm not bent. I'm not cracked. I'm just broken. Watch the fire. Yeah.
Barely out of 